You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh there. Happy Monday. Welcome into Crunch Time here on the game at 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. Saints get a win? Who thought that was possible? We'll recap that game. Me? Don't, don't you talk yet. I did not introduce you. I don't care. I did not introduce I, you, sir. I don't care. Your, your speaking privileges have not been permitted yet. You, do you know who controls the mics? This guy. This guy. Hello, James. How are you, sir? Happy Monday, Matt Miguez. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Happy Monday to you as well. So the Saints get a win. Correct. Very few people thought that would happen, so we will we will discuss that. Uh, we will discuss the greatest World Cup final in the history of the tournament. That's the pinnacle of soccer. Nothing will ever be better. D- I, I when I tell you I was absolutely captivated for three hours. It's absolutely incredible. Like. I started the Saints game late. My wife looked at me. Hey, she said, "Hey, babe, Saints about Saints are about to start." It's like, yeah, no, it's fine. It can wait. Saints play every Sunday. This happens once every four years. No, no, the, the Saints can wait. And I started the Saints from the beginning, and I fast forwarded through the commercial breaks, caught back up in plenty of time. So, but they were both on Fox. Yes, but once the. Match ended, mm-hmm. and they did the trophy celebration mm-hmm. that moved to FS1. So I so you, followed it to FS1. Oh, you followed then, it to FS1, okay. and then went back to Fox. Interesting. Um. So we'll, we'll we'll talk about that. We'll talk LSU getting a massive commitment from a former in-state wide receiver, and the Cajuns play in the Independence Bowl on Friday. We will talk about that as well. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. It's 706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. James, the Saints love to make things uncomfortable. They just enjoy it. That's their whole thing. They like to keep it close. Even when they're up, or they're very much down. They always like to keep the game close. And it's so incredibly frustrating. You were up 14 to 3 and then 21 to 10. And yet somehow your opposition makes it a game. And if it wasn't for a fluky tip drill interception by Bradley Roby, Might might have lost. You might have lost the game. They definitely had the opportunity to. Like you tried very hard to give the game back to the Falcons. You know what? We we stole one from y'all in week one, so we're gonna let y'all steal one here. That's what that's almost what happened. And it's funny because instead of kicking a field goal with 
13 seconds to go to make it to make sure that they have to score a touchdown to Correct. win instead of potentially kicking a field goal to go to OT. Correct. You you go for it. They, you run a QB sneak on fourth and one. And it didn't even work because Andy Dalton bobbled the snap. Right. Right. So you gave Atlanta a chance. They they ran terrible they ran two terrible plays. But Well Desmond Ritter decided I'm gonna go out of bounds. Well yeah. But <laughs> but like, even but even the, the, the short route, like if there was more time on the clock, sure, I understand, you know, taking off 10, 15 yards just to get yourself a little bit closer. Eight seconds left? You don't really have the time to do that. I mean, I guess it ended up working. They 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 had time to run a second play. Yeah. But then because the defense, they're they're anticipating we got to make sure we guard everything 20 yards and beyond, so they're going to give up the 10 to 15. So you get then, that, you run off five seconds. I mean, you do that twice. You move 30 seconds and you, you move 30 yards and 10 seconds, and you still got two seconds left. You can you can do a Hail Mary or rely on your kicker. That's been really good this year in well, well, Yongoyku. But, all, but also, you, you got to remember, they had nine seconds left when they got the ball. Mm-hmm. So you ran off five. You only had four seconds left on the clock. Give yourself, but you still got the fifteen yards. Still got the fifteen yards, right? And, and, and then you're, and, and then, then you're, you go for the hail mary. And, and then your rookie quarterback made a, a dumb decision. <laughs> Out of bounds. Th- that was just so dumb. Th- why, why are you even taking off running anyway? Throw it to the end zone. Just chunk it. If it's picked, it's picked. Game's over anyway. Doesn't matter. What do what you? What are you doing? It's a rookie. You, you, you Ro- really rookies are going to do have rookie mistakes and they'll learn. I remember when Mike Thomas against the Chiefs in Kansas City, he caught the ball and I think he tried to fight for extra yards and I think he went out of bounds or something. I forget exactly what I did, what he did, but I, I remember riding in my dad's truck, like on the way home, and I was like, "Why did he do that?" No, it, I was, it, I was, I was like, "What are you, Mike? What are you doing?" But then it's like, well, he's a rookie. I mean. You can't you can't blame the rook on everything. No, that, you had you had so many other opportunities to win this game. I mean, absolutely. Um, Rashid Shahid was phenomenal uh, as usual when he has a, a key part in the offense. Uh, Taysom Hill getting getting involved with his sixty eight yard touchdown pass, which was great to see. Um, you know, because one of the things that I've complained about all season long is. Is Taysom Hill being incredibly one-dimensional when he's in the game? So it was nice to see him, you know, start throwing the ball a little bit and get a little bit more involved. Uh, Alvin Kamara had a big day, over 100 yards of total offense. Uh, he never found the end zone, but you know, over 100 yards of offense is, is huge for Alvin Kamara's confidence heading forward. Um, but look, the 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 thing that that aggravates me the most about the Saints game yesterday is that. You had a commanding 14 nothing lead very quickly, had your way against the Falcons' defense, and then you just kind of flatlined for three quarters, which was, which was really upsetting. But, I mean, look, a win is a win is a win, right? Let's go to the hotline. Martin, what's up? Oh, not too bad for this. Lionel Messi Monday. Oh, Jesus. Man. Uh, I, I, I gotta say one thing, man. I don't watch a lot of soccer, okay? Uh, but when the World Cup is on, I, I do follow it. I fo- I've been following it for years. Uh, 
and to see what this guy has gone through throughout his career and to see. I mean, you can literally see the monkey being lifted off the man's back. You know, it couldn't have happened to a greater God. And another thing I want to comment on, the way France carried themselves after the match, yes, I get it. You got defeated, all right? Nobody likes to lose in any sport. But come on, man. You're going to have plenty of more opportunities in the coming years because Mbappe is only, what, 23 years old? Mm -hmm. So he's going to have plenty of more opportunities. But give the man Messi his spotlight that he rightfully deserves. Take your second-place medals, take the picture, and go about your business. But like I told Matt Miguez this morning, Argentina helped Mbappe get the golden boot. Because if there wasn't, if they didn't commit those two penalties, Mbappe don't get the golden boot. The Messi gets it. No. So, but that's my- I I, I I get I get what you're saying, but who, who who's to say Kylian Mbappe doesn't score three goals? Because they were shutting him down the whole match. They were shut, and the only reason why he got three goals, like I said, is because two of them were on penalties that were committed by Argentina. Now I will give the man his credit. He's a good player. He's going to be good for a long time. And he's, like I said, they're going to have plenty more opportunities. But give Messi his spotlight that he's rightfully deserved. I mean, seeing the man just hug his two kids after the match, and you can just see the relief off this man's back. Yep. I mean, it was incredible. I've never had those, like, the, the feelings I felt throughout the match, like up and down, up and down. I've never felt in any watching any sport in my lifetime. I mean, the pageantry of the World Cup, man, it's it, nothing compared to that, man. And no. I tell you what, soccer's on the uprising. If Messi does get that deal from Inter Miami, I mean, watch out, NFL. We're going to see who the real football is. But thanks for taking my call. I appreciate y'all. And have, uh, have a Merry Christmas to, 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 to y'all, man. Appreciate you, Martin. Same to you. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah it, look. I, I think Messi's going to come to the States, and that's going to be great for the MLS. It's not going to overtake the NFL. Like, what happened with Zlatan? Zlatan came over to uh, the LA Galaxy. That didn't, that didn't, that that moved the needle a little bit, but it's not like that. It's not like a whole bunch of people were like, who cares about American football anymore? Let's go watch the MLS. Come on. I mean, it's going, it's going to bring more people to go watch. The soccer games to be like, oh, let me let me see about the sport. Let's go let's go check it out. But no, it's it's not going to transition people from being NFL and football lovers to now to soccer lovers. Do do I do I full time? Do I think the MLS is going to gain popularity? Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're going to gain popularity. They're going to move that knee a little bit. They're definitely going to get some more popularity. But to say that they're going to be in contention, no, in overtaking college football and overtaking the NFL. And and you know, now now that the the can of worms about the World Cup has kind of been opened, we'll we'll run through it. Um, the scoring started with Lionel Messi getting a, a penalty kick in the twenty third minute that he hammered home because Messi very rarely misses penalty kicks. You give that man free opportunities to score, he will score on you. Uh, so Argentina took the early one nil lead. 
10 minutes later, Argentina puts on an absolute master class in terms of passing. Four passes down the field, you find Angel Di Maria for the second goal of the match, make it 2-0. And it was 2-0 for the next 45 minutes. And in the 80th minute, you got a fluke foul in the penalty box. You call, you give it to Kylian Mbappe, he scores his first goal. A minute later, France goes on the counterattack, Mbappe gets a second goal to tie it. So then you go to extra time. And then in the 108th minute, Lionel Messi, again, because how else would that story be written? Um, And in the closing seconds of extra time, handball in the box. So, of course, it was a penalty. Killian Mbappe. Drama throughout. Killian Mbappe just nails it home again. Um, And and then the, the penalty shootout was just... Fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Um, e- easily the the greatest World Cup final I've ever witnessed, but I, I could probably say that it was one of the greatest World Cup finals ever. I mean, just absolutely fantastic from start to finish. I've only seen th- three or four finals, two of them women's, and I remember one of them was a replay from the '99 World Cup, whenever it was America and Japan. Oh, the 99 women's final. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. That one was a really good one. I remember seeing the 2015 yeah, the, women's soccer. That, that's when Carly Lloyd had the hat trick. Mm-hmm. They beat Japan 5-2. to two. I remember that match. And then the 2014 one with uh, Argentina and Germany. Yep. I didn't see the American – or I didn't see the 2019 – or 2018 uh, France versus – Croatia. Croatia. I didn't see that one. I think I had seen the the women's one from 2019. I think I did. Yep. So actually, I think I seen five finals. Four of them live. One of them was a replay. Um. But yeah, e- easily the, the the best World Cup final I've ever I've ever got to see. Um. But you know we we, we talk about Messi and and Ronaldo and and that wave of of soccer talent is obviously you know on its way out. Messi being 35 years old, Ronaldo being 33, 34. Um, I mean, you're just. But you said Messi was 35. Mm-hmm. Messi's 35. Ronaldo's older. Then Ronaldo's 36. Yeah. Um. So obviously, you know that wave is is on its way out. Guys like Kylian Mbappe, Erling Holland, and, and and that wave, Gabriel Jesus. Oh, he's actually 37. Are gonna be the 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 next wave of of soccer superstars, and this might upset some people, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Kylian Mbappe, if he continues on this trek, will retire as the greatest player to ever play. I firmly believe that. What that young man has accomplished. At 23 years of age, if he keeps this up for another 12 years, the dude will win every trophy imaginable. Every trophy that he could possibly put his hands on, he will. It's going to happen. So, 
soccer's in, in in good hands with uh with guys like that, especially if Messi and Ronaldo are, are closing in on retirement, which they it's widely believed that that they are. The biggest names in today's music are taking over Gulf Shores, Alabama in 2023 with Hangout Music Fest returning May 19th to the 21st with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Calvin Harris, Paramore, Lil Nas X, and more. The game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has VIP passes to hang out. All you got to do is enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. VIP gives you access to exclusive viewing areas, stage side pools, hot tubs, and gourmet food. Hangout Fest is a beach vacation like none other, and you can find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We'll take a timeout when we return. We'll continue the conversation about the Saints and the Falcons, plus audio from the post-game reaction right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number one. Remember to actually leave milk and cookies for Santa and not some hipster healthy option. The big fella is holly and jolly for a reason. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. What a wild week in the NFL. But before we get to that, James, buddy, you a fan of this weather? The wet kind? No. No, not the wet kind. Just the temperature. Uh, I much prefer it over 90 and above, yes. Yeah, that's right. Now, what we're going to have like this weekend? No. That's that's too much. If if the high number is below 40, nah, I'm good. Like, in Shreveport on Friday for the Independence Bowl, 27 is the high. Yikes. I don't have clothes for that. I don't. I'm going to have those little hot hand warmers Mm -hmm. in my shoes, in my gloves, taped to my chest. I mean, everywhere. It's going to be all over. Much prefer this over the summer. It's just too hot. Summer 75, maybe 80 if we're hitting the absolute peak, but getting beyond that. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. But to me, I don't mind it. Like, if we're hitting the 30s, I don't mind it because, <sighs> to me, did you ever did you ever play sports? Yes. When it was 30 degrees? Yes. You didn't enjoy it? Mm, not really. I liked it. I didn't, I didn't enjoy football when it was 30 degrees, uh, that's for sure. You didn't play You didn't play uh, neighborhood football when it was 30 degrees? Oh, I did. I didn't enjoy it. Oh, I enjoyed it. It hurt. What it did was it hurt. I said, he hit me. I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, 30 degrees, you're going to feel it. I'm calling your mama. Uh-uh. No, not fun. Not fun. Um, Before we get to the Saints, because we will get back to that. James, if your team mm-hmm. was leading a game 33 to nothing mm-hmm. at halftime, you're going to win the game, right? No, I'd still be scared. It's the same thing with with my fantasy team. Until so you're, I, you're telling until me I, until I see. So you're telling me 
that if your team was up 33 to nothing at halftime, has absolutely owned the opposition all game long. Everybody's scoring. Your offense, your defense, everybody. You're not going to feel like 95% confident. that Look, crazier things have happened, but this game's probably over. I'd feel about 80-85%, but I'm, I still got it in my head. I'm like, y'all, you better play good that second half because even though, like you said, they were scoring on, on defense and special teams and, and offense, and like that's that's all fine and dandy, but it was like, okay, you got one of each, but it was like how your predominant scoring comes with the offense and how was the how was the offense looking? Because J- Jonathan Taylor was going after what the first drive, yeah. Second drive, yeah. So he was going really early in the game, so you got to rely on Matt Ryan and Zach Moss for the next forty eight minutes. Oh, I'd, I'd be I'd be uh, pissing my pants because I'm like uh, they find a way, and we've seen Matt Ryan falter when they have a very large lead. In the in the first half, all you needed was a field goal kicker and a defense. Well, you got the field goal. <laughs> you got that one field goal in that second half. Mm, yeah. That'd... Until I see triple zeros and I see the team that I root for is ahead. The fact that... I, I'm like, anything could happen because we've seen this. And we saw it just yesterday and this weekend. We saw four four crazy events happen. You saw Cowboys blow a 17-point lead to the Jaguars, which I like T-Law. I like Trevor Etienne. I like what the Jags are doing. But, man, you give up that when you're supposed to be this really good playoff team. Then you also had the Colts-Vikings. You had France storming back. And then they and then they still lose. And then you also had, oh, what was it? Ah, uh, yes, the Raiders and the, the Raiders and the Patriots. Because if you missed it yesterday, internet went crazy. Twitter went crazy because you're at tie game. You're at the 45-yard line. You run it with Ramondre Stevens, and he's running. He pitches it back to Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers, instead of just pitching it to somebody nearby, he runs back 15 yards and then throws it farther back, another 20, to try and throw it to Mac Jones, who there's nobody else behind him. It's just offensive linemen five yards in front of him. Decide. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna throw it to him. Didn't even. He said he didn't even notice Chandler Jones, but he he gets. He throws it right to Chandler Jones, who catches the ball, stiffs arm Mac Jones into the earth, into the core of the earth, and then returns it for the game-winning touchdown. First of all, why are you running a lateral at that point anyway, idiot? Idiot. The game's tied. Go to overtime. You literally cost your team the game because of a dumb... And now look, I'm not going to say that that one play lost them the game because 30 seconds before, your DBs got burned by Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole. Who the hell is that guy anyway? Now look. You're you're mad about it being lateral, and I don't necessarily agree with them doing the lateral, but that's a dumb play call. That's dumb. It's fine if you're throwing it next to each other, like how Ramondre tossed it 
even then I'm not, even then I'm not comfortable with it. My issue with it is him running back 15 yards and then throwing it even farther another yep. 20 yards whenever and it's it's not like it's a it's a 5 yard pass. It's 20 yards from your sideline and then also throwing it to the middle of the field like you're throwing in the middle of the field. That's it's kind of like a quarterback throwing a crossbody pass going from right trying to throw it left. It's like there's so much traffic there. That was the danger. If Jacoby would have thrown it like a couple yards within him and like found another receiver, even an offensive lineman, I, I wouldn't have minded it because it's like uh, you might as well try and go for the win. I mean, no, you, you already got near midfield. I would have rather to hail Mary. So many bad things can happen when you lateral a football. Exhibit A. Even if you would have lateraled it three yards away, what if a guy bobbles it, safety comes in, picks it up, runs it back? No, go play for overtime. If you lose in overtime, you got outplayed. Plain and simple. But you, you already but you already got near midfield. Why not why not try and go for the win at that point? Because of what happened. You literally lost the game because you wanted to be an idiot. Who's to what what are the chances of you converting on a lateral compared to you winning in overtime? As a coach, which chances are you taking? I'm going overtime. Every single day of the week. If you're losing, obviously you have to go for the lateral because that's your last ditch effort. When it's a tied game, go to overtime. But what's wrong with a Hail Mary? I'm fine with a Hail Mary. But that's what I was saying. You're like, no, just play overtime. I'm saying. No, no, I'm talking strictly about the lateral. The lateral was stupid. If you want to fling it to the end zone and hope somebody catches it, go for it. That's fine. Because even if they intercept it, what's the likelihood they're going to run it back 109 yards with 11 guys on you? Probably not. Well, what's the likelihood that if you, let's say Jacoby and it ended up being bad for the, like a, like a, a two-yard lateral instead of a 20-yard. You still had guys around them to make the tackle. The only reason it was bad is because he threw it right to the defensive lineman. And all you had, the only guy that you had to cover the end zone was your quarterback. No, it, it was it was bad the second Ramondre Stevenson pitched it to anybody. That was bad. That was dumb. Hook and laterals don't work. They don't. I can remember two instances that it's worked. How many hook and ladders have you seen in your lifetime? A lot. Because I've only seen... A lot. I've only seen like three, and I think two of them were pretty successful. One of them being Travis Kelsey catching the ball and tossing it to LaShawn McCoy. For like I, a forty yard game. Well that that's that's planned. That was not planned. It looked planned. I remember Travis talking about it on like his podcast or somebody else's and he was like he just called him, he was like, Oh, LaShawn's there. Take it. That was Des- that was not planned. Desperation hook and laterals like you saw yesterday don't work. They don't. They never have. Except for one or two instances. The one that sticks out in my head is Duke and Miami, where Duke pitched it around the yard about 15 times, 
and then they finally had it set up to where there were enough blockers to where it basically became a punt return and the guy ran it back. That's it. They don't work. You would have been much better suited just going to the ground and playing for overtime. Because at that point, if you have enough trust in your team as a coaching staff or, or even as a player, because clearly the coach didn't tell him the lateral, you should be able to take the ball in overtime and go win the game. Plain and simple. It, it just it blows my mind that in a tied game, a, a, a guy would try to make that decision. But, you know, and then the, the commander's game was was wild um, because, I mean, just bad decisions, bad referees. Doc, Doc had another example of a, of a hook and ladder, the Boise State one. When? I think it was. I think it was more. It was more towards the 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 two thousands. I forget which year it was exactly, but it was in the. Uh, I don't remember exactly, but it was. You talking it was about mid two thousands? You talking about the Statue of Liberty play against Oklahoma? Oh no no! It, it's same game, but yes, I know what you're talking about. It was the that that set up the touchdown to call the Statue of Liberty. Yes. You're, you're, he's exactly right. I remember, um, I remember another one in the NFL. I think it was Randy Moss. He made the catch, tossed it backwards, or maybe it was like Chris Carter, t- caught the ball, tossed it to a, uh, to his teammate, and he just ran it in for the touchdown. the The point is, is that the likelihood of a lateral play working is slim to none. I would love to see the numbers of how many times people run it compared to how many times you actually score. Because I guarantee you it's less than 10%. I would say it's less than 10%. That is not a successful play. Well, I don't even classify that as a hook and ladder because a hook and ladder is a pass play. No, no, and they and they ran it. Not a hook and ladder. Well, you, a hook and lateral. There's a difference. The lateral is at the end of a game mm-hmm. when you're passing it around trying to get somebody open. A hook and ladder is a designed scheme play. Correct. The lateral is you going, oh crap, I'm getting tackled. Yeah, throw it you, off to somebody. Here you go, because you see the guy that's next to you, right? Open. The play was the play was fine until Jacoby ran backwards twenty yards. I don't I don't put that on the coaches. I I don't either. I put that on Jacoby. Coaches for coaches running backwards. Coaches didn't tell him to lateral it. Guarantee you, coaches didn't tell Ramondre Stevenson to lateral it either. That wasn't the design. That was not the design. Go back and watch it. He was going, oh crap, here. 
Well, I, then, well, then why are you running the ball with five seconds left and you have no timeouts? That would be a great question that I would like answered. Because if, if you're just going to run the ball forward and not have the idea of, hey, if you're about to get tackled, let's have some guys nearby to toss it back to, to try and make a play out of it. Then why not just take the knee? Or do the Hail Mary? That's a good why, question. Why, if it's if it's not a if it if it wasn't designed beforehand, then why would you run it? Why not? Why would you run it again up the middle? It it certainly looked like after, it wasn't designed. After you just ran it and you used your, you burned your last time out to set yourself up to make it a little closer. If that was designed, it was poorly designed. It was very poorly designed, actually. But I I, I, I don't I, I don't think it was the greatest design either because you only had. One guy, and that's why Jacoby. And to me, if I was Jacoby at that point, I would have not have looked to throw it twenty yards behind me after I ran back fifteen. I would have just been like, "Oh, nobody near me. I'm not taking that risk of throwing it that far and into the danger zone in no man's land." I would just take my loss and just gone out of bounds and just be like, eh, "Play for overtime at this point. At least I tried, but I'm not. I'm not taking that type of risk. I have no problem with Ramondre taking the first pitch." And then Jacoby, hey, try to make something. Jacoby, or and if I'm Jacoby, it's like nobody's really behind me, and no one's there nearby. Eh, I just got to bounce. I mean, yeah, that that's kind of what we're talking about here. It was a dumb decision for him to throw it twenty yards back. But your whole idea of just even attempting it was stupid. Because it was. Anyways, it, it was a poor play call all the way around. Lateral plays just don't work. It's very rare. Uh, again, the number it's got to be less than 10%. It has to be. But anyways, if you're looking for great stocking stuffers for the holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our awards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cyrus Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so go sign up today. Take a timeout and we return. You'll hear from Dennis Allen and Andy Dalton on the win with the Saints over the Falcons here on Crunch Time on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 12. Use caution when adding bourbon to your eggnog. Everyone likes a good time, but no one wants to see you have a pants down, face down in the yard good time. Okay? This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So I just have to say before we get to the Dennis Allen audio that... I just went rewatch that final play between the Patriots and the Raiders. No way that was planned. It was a run play that Jacoby Myers was blocking for, and Ramondre Stevenson was starting to get tackled, and he saw Jacoby was there, and he just tossed it to him. Which that is, I mean, I don't like it, but it worked out, so it's fine. Jacoby running 15 yards back and and throwing it to Mac. I mean, what's Mac Jones supposed to do? He can't throw it forward. Uh, that's just dumb. That's just dumb. 
But anyways, Dennis Allen, following the win over the Falcons 21-18, to said the team did what they needed to do to get the win. Listen, we need a win. You know what I mean? Like, it's one thing we all talk about running the ball, running the ball. Look, we did, I don't think we tackled as good as we needed to today. Okay. Um, but what they have, 80-something yards passing? So it's not about do you stop the run, do you stop the pass, do you do this, do you do that, it's do you win. Um, and that's what we did today. And so their plan was to come in and run it, run it, run it, not try to put the young quarterback in difficult situations. Um, and, and look, the runner, Algier, like he was, he was, I was impressed with him today. He's a, he's a tough physical runner. Uh, but we did what we needed to do defensively to, to win the game. Is winning the most important thing? Absolutely. However, do, does everything else matter? Also, yes. So Dennis Allen is right to a, to a degree. But uh, he also went on to elaborate on the Taysom Hill 68-yard touchdown pass to Rashid Shaheed. There's some things that you do, and, and, and what you don't know is exactly when Taysom gets – lined up at the quarterback position. You don't know exactly what you're going to see every time. Um, you know, so we got the look that we were looking for. Um, and look, I think I think Shahid ran a great route. Um, like his speed is impressive. Uh, and and look, Taysom did a great job of putting the ball in the right spot just over the top of the safety. And, and um, you know, yeah, we got the look we were looking for and our guys executed. And that's really like that's what, you know, good football is 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 really all about. You know, it's, you know, it was a good play call, right? But the execution is what made it work, and that was that was good to see. Juwan Johnson had a big game yesterday, getting two touchdowns, now up to seven on the year. Uh, here he is talking about the biggest thing he has learned playing tight end. You gotta have an attitude um, to play this position. You can't be soft at all. I mean, you're going to be against some pretty good guys. And then from the secondary position, you're playing against some pretty elite and athletic guys from the defensive side. So you really just got to have an attitude that you just can't be stopped. And you know, that's really why I, I try to, you know, get into. It's not really hard. It's just like you just got to be mad at them. So if I just think of it as my enemy, that's really how I try to approach it. But ultimately, just having an attitude and be willing to learn because obviously this is like my second year in this position. So. Just being coachable, um, I still don't know anything. I'm, I'm not saying I don't know anything, but um, it's still a very tough position. You have to be really smart to play this position. And lastly, Andy Dalton said that although they got the win, there were a lot of plays left out on the field. Yeah, you know, I thought we responded well today. It's, it's not always pretty. It's not always easy. You know, it felt like when we jumped out to the early lead, we had chances. And I mean, we left, some, we left a lot of plays out there. And we had opportunities to make that game look a little different and not have to go down to the very end. But the good thing is we had an opportunity to, to win it, and you know we, we, we took care of business, and we did that. Take a timeout. Wrap up hour number one right after this here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 24. Do not buy your wonderful wife a mixer or knife set or any other kitchen item. Since she puts up with you all year, she deserves jewelry, you filthy animal. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 
1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. 452 right now as we're wrapping up hour number one. Let's continue the Saints conversation. Kind of look a little more into the game because, man, it kind of felt like Alvin Kamara was actually running with a purpose last game yesterday. You also had the defense actually kind of step up and they shut down that passing game overall. It, it was really good to see. Now, the running defense... I don't know what's happened this year. It's It's been very suspect. I know Tyler Algier is a young back, one to prove himself. But I don't know what's up. I really – I don't understand. I mean – Because it, 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 everyone's everyone's starting to feel like they're, they're forgetting how to tackle. I don't know what's up with DeMario. I remember that touchdown drive for Algier where he carried the ball three times for 54 yards. He just – he whiffed on two tackles in that drive, and it led to the touchdown. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think a lot of it is, is just the fact that the um, the Saints' defense is is getting a little older. Uh, you know, Cam Cam Jordan's been playing for for ten, eleven years. Um, Carl Granderson has never really been. A, a great defensive lineman, uh, Malcolm Roach, kind of the same thing. Never really been. The, the Saints have struggled the last couple of years with having good interior defensive linemen. Uh, that that that's one thing that the Saints have lacked the last couple of years. Uh, really, really since Sheldon Rankin was left. Yeah, because they they had Sheldon. You thought maybe they would sign him back. Yeah. But he but he decided to leave and now he's with the Jets and you, you don't have you, you had to put all your eggs into David Onyemata and Onyemata and that has got not worked the, out. He got put up with the six game suspension and then he came back. He, he took a little minute to kind of get back to the things into the things uh last year. And then he, he started to pick up speed, but this year he's had he's had his moments, but overall it's like it it feels like the the running backs get to the second level a little too often and when they do even though Caden Ellis and Pete Warner have been really good, it feels like sometimes they just forget how to tackle. Now, Shy, Shy Tuttle's had some good games, but big picture, eh, not great. That That's the thing. You know, you look at guys like Carl Granderson and Shy Tuttle. Contavia Street's been solid. Contavia Street's had a good year, but uh, again, you're lacking a consistent interior defensive lineman. You don't have one. Now, you were going against probably the best running game in the league. If not one of, like, you'd probably say they're they're top three because they've relied on it so heavily this year. But the the defense of the Saints, they've taken a step back. They've 100% taken a step back over years past because they were always... If they weren't first, they were what second, third, fourth, at worst fifth or sixth. So it's still a top. It was always a top run defense ever since they made that culture change for in 2017. Since then, they they had been one of the best run defenses because like if you can shut down the run and force the other team to pass and you be opportunistic, you're gonna you're gonna end up with some turnovers and you're gonna end up winning turnover battles and give more opportunities to your offense. But because they've been lackluster. In the run game, they've been able. The offenses 
that they've been gone against, they've been able to do more, so it's led to the less turnovers. That's why you've only seen 10 so far. Falcons offense, the Falcons rushing offense is 16th in the, in the league. 16th? Yep. And that's according to NFL.com. 16th in the league. Um, so, I mean, they're not great. They're okay, middle of the road. Um, but, I mean, they're only averaging... So on the season, they've eclipsed 2,297 rushing yards on 457 carries. So about five yards per carry. So in, in that statistic, they're probably, you know, pretty close to the top. They're third in that category in yards per carry. They're I was going to say they're third in the league in yards per game. Rushing with 164. In yards per game, yes. Overall, they're 16th in rushing offense. Our number one and the books, our number two, going to kick it off with Wilson Alexander for Tiger Talk right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, I made a mistake. Hour number two, crunch time here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. I'm spewing wrong stats over here. So when, when I said that the Atlanta Falcons were 16th in, in total rushing, it's because they're the 16th team in the NFL alphabetically. I didn't pick up on the fact that it was listing them in alphabetical order. I thought that it was just, you know, looking at every single rushing statistic together. But no, when you click on the specific statistics, they're top three in every category. So crazy how that works. Kudos to the Atlanta Falcons. I guess you still suck. You 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 still lost both games to the Saints. Yikes! Yikes! Anyways, now we're number one. We talked about the World Cup. We talked about the Saints and how unsmart Jacoby Myers is. In uh, our number two, we will talk. Independence Bowl between the Cajuns and the Cougars of Houston and much, much more. But for now, there's a former Louisiana prep wide receiver coming back to the Bayou State. Let's chat it up with Wilson Alexander. It's time for Tiger Talk. Johnson throws. Boutte's got it wide open at the 10. Far side. He's in for the score. Hit high. Hammered to left field. Talk all things Bayou Bengals with the advocates Wilson Alexander. Here is Tiger Talk on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Wilson, happy Monday, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Oh, doing well. Thanks for asking. So, you know, looking at this week for LSU, closing in on on early signing day on Wednesday, still got a couple weeks before they take on Purdue in the Citrus Bowl. But the, the storyline today is the commitment of Aaron Anderson, who committed over the weekend after transferring out of Alabama, former Edna Carr star. How does he you know, fit in to a LSU offense that we talked about last week is already pretty stacked at the wide receiver position? Well, he certainly gives you more depth at wide receiver. This is a former four- or five-star, depending on which you know recruiting outlet you look at. 
out of last season. He was the number one player in the state. Uh, he's five foot nine, uh, so you would think probably a slot guy, maybe kind of a gadget guy. He can use on jet sweeps. He's known for his speed. Um, and where you look, and so it'll be interesting to see kind of where he ends up in the wide receiver rotation next year, because as good as he was coming out of high school in his one season in Alabama, he didn't have a catch. Um, he didn't record any stats actually, and so he's a little bit unproven at the college level. But even though it might take him a little bit of time to work into the receiver rotation because it is such a loaded room, this is somebody who theoretically could help LSU immediately in the return game, which everybody knows was such an issue this past year. Never found someone who could really be dynamic at returner. Gregory Clayton did a good job just holding onto the ball and fair catching it and making it not, you know, in the second half of the season, uh, punt return, something that LSU didn't necessarily have to hold its breath every time a ball was in the air. Um, but it, it never had a dynamic kick or punt returner. And Aaron Anderson uh, could potentially be both right away. Now, uh, another receiver that left LSU is Jack Besh, who entered the transfer portal last week. Yesterday, it was announced that he is intending on, on signing with TCU on, on Wednesday. What are your thoughts on that move? And, and for Jack, you know, what do you, what do you think the thoughts are that he fits in at TCU? Yeah, I mean, good for Jack finding not only you know a landing spot, but a Power Five landing spot, a team that is you know right now about to play in the college football playoff, and we'll see how good TCU can be next year because Max Duggan, the quarterback there, is going to be declaring for the draft after the playoff ends. So TCU's going to have to you know find a quarterback and all those things, but it seems like you know on its surface like it could be a good fit for him, um, and you know because he was product- really productive his freshman year, so we know that he can be at the Power Five level, and hopefully he's able to continue to be uh, moving forward in his career over there at TCU. It's not too far, you know, in terms of you know it's like he's going all the way to one of the opposite coasts. You know, it's uh, relatively close, another Power Five program, relatively close, and uh, to his you know to Lafayette where he's from and. Um, so he's able to, his family's able to get over there, you know, pretty regularly. And, um, you know, maybe he can continue to, to move up in his career, uh, at, 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 with the Horn Frogs. Now, you know, we talked about early signing day being on Wednesday. LSU's coaches over the next 24 to 36 hours, probably putting the finishing touches on that class. Do you expect any drastic changes over the next couple of days? No, I really don't. It, it, I think it's going to be kind of a signing. The first, obviously, the early signing period lasts from Wednesday to Friday, and the most sort of dramatic thing that's going to happen is the commitment of Desmond Ricks on Thursday, the five-star cornerback, uh, all eyes on where he's going to go because that could really be somebody who, if LSU can close strong um, here down the stretch, they just had him on campus for his last official visit uh, and really kind of help put the finishing touches uh, on this class. Even though you've got you know National Signing Day in February, um, the bulk of it's going to be signing here on Wednesday. And um, pretty much everybody who is committed is expected to sign on Wednesday and um, sign with LSU. You know, who knows, there could be a flip here or there. Uh, four-star cornerback Dalen Austin just visited Louisville over the weekend. So that'll be something to watch. But um, usually pretty much this class seems like it's set um, and that we're not really expecting anything uh, crazy to happen on Wednesday. Now, looking at this class, is there anybody that you know stands out to you that maybe a lot of people aren't talking about? Ooh, who people aren't talking about? The guys who have stood out to me right off the bat are the ones that folks are probably talking about it a good bit um, already in terms of you know Lawrence Hurd and um, Deshaun Womack and uh, Javion Toviano and potentially Ricks, guys like that who might be able to contribute right away. 
Um, but as you look at the class as a whole, I'm really interested to see how these two tight ends end up playing. Um, Mac Markway and Jackson McGohan. Um, Mac's a four-star, but he hasn't really played since his freshman year um, because of some injuries and some other dis- things going on. Um, and Jackson is somebody who they just added here late, and they really need tight ends. You know, they only have one guy on, who came into LSU with a scholarship, that being Mason Taylor, who had a good freshman year, but because LSU wants to run 12 and even sometimes 13 personnel, it needs multiple tight ends. So I'm really interested to see how those guys uh, play, and they're both going to enroll early, so how they do during spring practice. Um, Kai Prion is, a, you know, an athlete um, out of St. James, um, who I think some people are pretty high on, and they'll be interested to see how he fits in the receiver rotation early. Um, those are a couple of uh, couple names that come to mind uh, just right at the top. Chad Wilson Alexander from The Advocate. Early thoughts on, on the Citrus Bowl matchup. I know we're still about a week and a half away, but you know, with Christmas being next week or into this week, it, it's going to be kind of hard to, uh, to, to discuss it leading up to that game. So just, you know, what are your early thoughts on, on that matchup? This is a something that should be pretty – LSU has a good chance here to go and win 10 games and, and have that. I think we talked you know, a few weeks ago just on the significance of winning 10 games and, you know, finishing out this season on a high note. And even though it's not going to – you know, there's I think maybe sometimes momentum in the bowl gets overblown heading into the next season. Uh, it is really just kind of what you make of it as a team. Um, you know, I think you'll just feel good for the fan base if they can look back on this year and see year one as 10 wins with the SEC West championship title and the win over Alabama and feel really good about it instead of losing the last three. And LSU's got a good chance because Purdue is already going through the coaching change. It's starting quarterback opted out. It's best two receivers opted out. One of those being Charlie Jones, who's a um, led the entire country in receptions and yards as a receiver. And um, he's not going to be playing in this and he'll be there starting tight end. So, LSU, I think, is going to match up. Uh, has a pretty good chance here to win this bowl game. Yeah, you know, that was going to be my next topic. O- O'Connell and, and two of his top receivers not playing. You talked about the coaching transition. Drew Brees is going to be on their staff for the bowl game. You know, l- looking at this matchup, even when Aiden O'Connell was going to be the quarterback, it still kind of felt like LSU was going to go in there as the favorite. It, well, yeah, certainly. The opening lines were had LSU as a favorite. It's just gotten so much bigger ever since this news out of Purdue has come out about the head coaching change and the quarterback opting out and these two, uh, you know, the tight end and the wide receiver opting out. And it's just gotten bigger and bigger of a line. LSU was always going to be a favorite, though, because um, this is a team that was ranked number five in the country pretty late in the year, is still ranked right now, and, um, you know, beat Alabama, which is you know, going to be playing in a New York Six game and all these things. And Purdue, which while it's had a good season, um, finished the year 8-5 and five after losing the Big Ten championship game to Michigan. And it put up a pretty good fight in the first half, but really wasn't going to be equipped to win that game, barring something just crazy happening. And so, yeah, it made a lot of sense that LSU would be favored in this game even before those players opted out. But now that they have, LSU is just becoming an even bigger favorite. And Wilson, as we, as we start to wrap up, what's been the latest from you know, Brian Kelly, whether it be on early signing period or the bowl matchup? Yeah, we got to talk to him on Saturday, and a couple of sort of newsy things that came out of it was just that B. Joe Jolari wasn't going to play. Um, he'd already declared for the draft, hadn't specified if he was playing in the bowl or not. So LSU's going to have to do some interesting things. Edge, you know, his Jack linebacker spot with him out. Um, he, Brian Kelly also said that they expect in the mid to high 30s, by the, by the time everything's said and done with this signing class between transfers and freshmen, so starting to get a better idea of exactly how many guys are going to be coming in. Right now they've got 25 commits, 
plus the one transfer with Aaron Anderson. So maybe another 10 guys could end up joining this class either through the portal or in February on the, on the regular national signing day. Um, and then he, you know, said some freshmen were starting to stand out during bowl practices. Quincy Wiggins mentioned LaTerrence Welch, uh, Landon Ibieto, who hasn't played this year because of an injury. Uh, their receiver might have a chance because LSU doesn't have a big group of receivers coming to the Citrus Bowl because of opt-outs and the like. And so, um, and transfers and such. So that, those are the few things that we learned. And, um, you know, we'll get more from him on, on Wednesday, uh, after, at, once signing day is kind of starting to wrap up. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate joining us for Tiger Talk. Wilson, appreciate you as always. Have a Merry Christmas to you and your family, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks for having me, Matt, and Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. Tune in next week for another edition of Tiger Talk here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Helpful holiday tip number 36. Your precious little ones should receive a few boxes of boring clothes under the tree. Yeah, they'll surely be disappointed, but that helps build character. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Miguez has built a lot of character over the years. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of clothes for Christmas. I sure have. Hey, nowadays, you don't mind it. It's not bad. It's really not a bad gift, especially nowadays as you're an adult. Clothes and money. I'm good. Oh, yeah. Clothes and money. Are you the ones that kind of like walk around a lot in just socks? So then the bottom of the feet kind of rip up apart so you need new pairs? No? No. No. I don't don't do that often. I I, I usually walk around with with socks and sometimes if I'm on the concrete that's when it really rips up. If I if I take my shoes off, I take my socks off too. Nah, I can't do that. Yeah. No. No. I can't let the toesies get cold. Can't let the little piggies out. Oh my god. But let let's go back. Well, I, let's just talk about how it's just a glorious Monday overall. Saints win. It is. Everybody in the NFC South lost. Yes. So <laughs> makes that's, things that's really always, interesting. That's now. always great. Love that. Uh could the Saints be a 6 and 11 playoff team? Ooh, maybe. Chances are slim, but you have to win. You have to win. uh, You have to win at least two more. Because the Patriots are or the the Bucks are still at six wins. Correct, and you're at five. Yes. Oh, I get get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I get (laughs) what you're saying. There you go. Okay. Math. Mathematical. Two. Two. You could beat the Browns, and you could beat the Patriots. The Panthers. There you go. But then you need the Bucks to lose to. The which is Bears, doable. Panthers, and Falcons. Which is doable. Justin Fields, baby. <laughs> we love Justin Dude, Fields. Dude's otherworldly. But, uh, you know, looking at go, going back to the World Cup, I, I found this rather interesting. Lano Messi broke 10 World Cup records in this year's tournament. He now has the record for the most games played in FIFA World Cup at 26. He, has, he is the first ever two-time winner of the Golden Ball. Uh, he, he won it in 2014 when they lost in the final to Germany and then obviously winning it this year. He has the most Man of the Match awards. 11 Man of the Match awards in the World Cup. Wow. He has the most Man of the Match awards at a single World Cup with five. He got five at this year's World Cup. Scored a scored a goal in every match. 
most goal contributions. He has a goal plus assist ratio in the World Cup of 21. Most games as a captain. He captained all seven Argentina games in this year's World Cup. And he has now worn the armband in 19 World Cup matches. He's the first player to register an assist at five different World Cups. He is the first player to score in every single round of a World Cup. And he now has the most World Cups played for Argentina with five. And then obviously most World Cup goals by Argentina. What's what's crazy to think about, James, the coach for the Argentina national team, Lionel Scaloni, if you go back to 2006, Messi's first World Cup with Argentina, they were teammates. They were teammates. And now he's coaching them. That's wild to think about. Messi's been doing it forever. I mean, God, 2006, I was eight years old. The guy's been doing it almost my whole life. It's unreal. And and the crazy thing is, is that he doesn't just want to fall over and quit. Obviously, the MLS is a different breed of soccer, but this man's talking about coming to the MLS and playing for two more years. Bonkers to me. Absolutely insane. Let's go to the hotline. Frank, what's up? Uh, not a lot. Uh, weather sucks. The The rain or the rain and the cold? Both. I hate cold weather, and I oh, hate it when it's cold see, and raining. It sucks. Um, the, the cold and rain, yes, I will agree with you. Just the cold, I'll take it. Um, when I when I see cold and rainy weather, it reminds me of Dennis Allen talking. So oh. don't, 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 don't play Dennis Allen sound bites. He, he sounds like the little British kid off of that Charlie video. Oh, he bit me. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, we got a victory. That's all that counts, Chuck. No. No, shut up. The only reason they got that victory is because of the athletes they have on their team, and they were playing, what, a fourth-string quarterback for Atlanta? No. Now, the co- I don't know if y'all watched it, but I did watch the entire game between Cincinnati and Tampa Bay. What a great game. That coach for Tampa Bay, that dude, that dude has testosterone. He's got something. He got the hit. He don't have very many athletes. He's got a couple of boys. I think uh, I think uh, Devin White plays linebacker for them, doesn't he? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, uh, the coach for Tampa Bay said, well, look, well, we got the ball fourth. Well, it was fourth and one in the first quarter, second quarter, maybe. Uh, we got the ball fourth and one on Cincinnati's 31-yard line. We're going to go for it. That's what I like to see. I was cheering for Cincinnati, for, for Tampa Bay to stop them because I, I, I like Joe Burrow, but I can't stand Tom Brady. But that's what I like to see. That's a coach that says, look, I believe in my offense. If my offense can't make it, my defense is going to stop you. Now, as far as for the Saints game, that interior defensive line, so many arm tackles. You ain't going to tackle nobody with arm tackles. I mean, these these boys are 300 pounds, but, bruh, you've got to be able to tackle an inside I will, run. I will, I will never understand why players nowadays constantly go for the arm tackle. 
I'll, I'll never, I'll it's never stu- understand it. It's stupid. You're an interior lineman. You're an interior lineman. Even, Go even, down. even DBs going for arm tackles like that makes no sense. Wrap them You're up. Three hundred pounds. This running back is maybe two and a quarter. Right. Just you hit him. Win. Just hit him. Just hit him. That's all you gotta do. Now I, I was impressed. Um, I think his number was number five, but I didn't catch his name. Drake London. Uh, he was a replacement player. I think he was a, a safety or a, a CB. I'm not sure. Oh. But that that dude was hitting. For the Falcons. Um, go ahead. You, you talking about a player for the Falcons? No, I'm talking about a player for the Saints. He was a defensive back or a safety. I'm not You're sure. About Marcus I don't know May. if he was a cornerback. Talking um, about Marcus May number six. You, go ahead. You're talking about Marcus May number six. Whenever, it might have been number six, yeah. Whenever he had hit the receiver and the ball had popped out. Well, uh, no, it was before that because I, I picked up the game because I took the kids to uh, eat at a restaurant and they had the game on because I wasn't going to watch the game. I didn't want to jinx them. And. That, that that dude was hitting. Uh, as far as for that little kid, uh, Pete Warner and Kate Ellis, them, them two guys, and Kate Ellis and Pete Warner, oh, bro, them boys can move. Yeah, they're good. Uh, their interior linemen, their interior linemen are just they, they garbage. I, I mean, yeah. they, they you got to move your feet, man. You it's... you got the down tackle. Every every tackle starts from the waist down. It, yep. That's what I teach all my guys. It's got to go from the waist down. Don't worry about the head. Where the rest of the body goes, the head's going to follow. And I just saw garbage. But the Saints are lucky to pull that win out, and they're lucky that uh, Cincinnati got Joe Burrow because he destroyed Tom Brady in the second half. That crap was awesome. Yep, absolutely. Frank, appreciate the call, man. Thank you, Bo. Yeah, and you know, Marcus May, the last – couple of games has has been better um i'm I'm interested to see what the saints are going to look like when everybody's back marshawn's back on the field pete warner's back on the field you've got you know your your full secondary i'm really interested to see what the offensive line is going to look like once trevor penning gets his feet under him yeah because he he's only coming in for sub packages and being that sixth lineman a lot of the time. So I'm, I'm interested still to trying see, to get his feet wet. I'm interested to see what he's going to look like. If I'm the Saints, you got three games left that, I mean, sure, technically you're not eliminated, but let's be real. These games are meaningless. The likelihood that you'll get into the playoffs is you have four still per- pretty slim. You have a 4% chance. You have a 4% chance. Hey, better than last week. <laughs> it is. It is better. Right. Better better than two weeks ago. Play, play the man. Just play him. Let him get his feet wet. You're not gonna let him get his feet wet being the sixth O lineman. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a red shirt. It's like just just you, throw him in there. You might as well. Red shirts can play four games. Throw him in there. Let him let him get. I'm not I'm not saying play him every single snap, but I mean don't don't make him be the sixth O lineman. Like fifty percent. Correct. Because this is this is what I would do. Because or here's how I see it. If you can win two out of these last three, and then you have three out of the last four. You you may be asking a lot, but to me, if you can build on some momentum, and you've been calling for Dennis Allen's head this whole season, and I still am, and <laughs> still are, but it, me seeing continued uh, more them actually getting the ball. No, don't like you, don't you, you don't you getting, say you actually getting Rashid Shahid the ball, 
you're you're starting to actually come up with some. You're seeing growth from Chris Olave. Don't you say you you're have seeing, changed course? I'm not, Matt. I'm just saying, if you if I see some progress, even though I would prefer somebody else, I would prefer an offensive mind as my head coach, because I'm an offensive guy. Even though I wanted to give Dennis Allen a chance, even though I've kind of been over it since Cincinnati. I'd still rather an offensive-minded head coach because I think that's that's where you can get the different you can have a difference maker. But if he starts showing some some progress, and they actually start winning games, I, I'm a little more intrigued to see how this goes because even though Dennis Allen isn't necessarily who they wanted, they obviously would have rather Sean Payton stay, and I'm sure if they could have gotten offensive mind, it would have been really nice. But hey. If they can show some progress, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see how this goes because if they really didn't like Dennis Allen that much, part of me thinks the progress they is wouldn't too have, little too late. They wouldn't have. They wouldn't have uh, even gone with Dennis Allen if they didn't trust him at all. I mean, I'm not saying you didn't trust him at the beginning, but if you trust, but if if you would have made the hire, are you gonna? It felt like it was a little too small of a sample size. I need to see like a year, year and a half before I can finally be like, all right, I've gotten enough of a sample package to see you as a as a coach in, for our team, not just for somebody else you had coached for 10 years ago. Me seeing what you can do with this organization and these players, if I've seen it after 20-something games, if I've seen it after 24 games, and I really haven't seen much improvement at all, then sure we can then we can really move on. But third but six, seven, eight, nine games is, is as much as it infuriates me as a fan of the team, I still am like, okay. It's looking bad so far, but it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And if they can win three out of these last four, even though it's against Deshaun, who is Hasn't been himself because he's still trying to get his feet under him after taking the year off. And then you play the Panthers, who, even though they're kind of a dumpster fire themselves because the whole NFC South is, they look like they've got a little of a little bit of a pulse because they kind of they're 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 right there as well. They lost to Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers yesterday, but they still kind of have a pulse themselves. If you can get a couple of wins here and and they beat the Falcons yesterday, you ending the season on a high note. That can do wonders because it's not how it's not how you start the season because we've seen Saints they struggle in September. Am I wrong? No, not really. They they usually are one and three. You're you feel glorious if the Saints go two and two in September because we've seen plenty of times yeah. them go one and three, zero oh and four. Sometimes if they can get one and four, two and three, or two and two, you're like, oh boy. Hit October, oh, that's when they really get into it. It's not how you start, it's how you finish the season. Because if you can finish on a high note, you feel a lot of you you build up confidence. And you showing that you actually had a pulse at the end of the season, that's how you can get people to come join your team in free agency next year. And that's how you're able to kind of convince people, like, hey, look, see? You you, you, you can take the you can take this pay cut. And help us, and like help us win you don't, because you look, don't you don't have money for free agency. You don't have money for free agency. 
you've got guys in your own team that you have to resign. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to go get free agents after you somehow find your way out of cap hell. They do it every time. This year was a one-off. Ever? What about 2020? Whenever they were damn near 200 million in debt in uh, over the cap, and they still were able to get some guys. We'll see. You're not gonna you're not gonna get the the crazy price guys. That's never what they go for. They always go for the intermediate guys. Once you hit that second wave of free agency, and you want to know why? Because that's all they can afford. It's all they can afford. But they're big on getting from within. You build up the Chris Olave, you build up the Mike Thomas and Alvin Kamara to pay them the big bucks. And and I agree. Because, because you don't want them to leave because then you have to start that process over of being like, hey, look, here's a system. Uh, time for you to learn it. When you've already got the guys that have been learning it for the last four years. And, and I'm perfectly fine with keeping guys within. But I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, we're going to go sign free agents when the Saints have a history of not really doing that. But anyways, you can listen to all your favorite Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. It's nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Listen live at lachristmaschannel.com or download the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices and listen on your Amazon Alexa. So listen to some holiday cheer with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Take a time out when we return. Eric Evanson, the Director of Communications for the Independence Bowl, will join us to talk about the matchup between Louisiana and Houston and what's planned for the fans traveling up to Shreveport this weekend. You're listening to The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 48. Before you light a roaring holiday fire, make sure the flue is open. Having your house filled with smoke and the fire department dropping by is not cheerful. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 538, closing in on 539 here on your Monday. It's time to preview or begin previewing the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl this Friday in Shreveport, Louisiana, as the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns take on the Houston Cougars. The Director of Communications for the Independence Bowl, Mr. Eric Evanson, joins us on the hotline. Eric, thanks so much for taking the time, man. How are you today? Hey, guys. Good good to join you. Thanks for having me on. So uh, first, I've got to ask, both teams arriving to Shreveport today, what's that craziness been like? Oh, it's been... uh... It's been kind of hectic. Uh, both teams just got into town. Uh, Houston just uh, just arrived a few minutes ago. Louisiana got in uh, around 4:30. So it's always fun seeing uh, seeing the teams get into town and being a part of that. But a uh, lot lot going on. So uh, kind of bouncing around town and getting things ready. So you know, as, as the season started to to wind down, what kind of went through went into the process of, of selecting both? Houston and Louisiana to participate in this year's Independence Bowl. Yeah, so I, I think our, our selection committee kind of narrowed down once uh, it kind of opened up uh, to you know the, the what conferences, especially in terms of um, what Army season was looking like when it looked like we were going to need to go to our backup. I think 
uh, both in Conference USA and Sunbelt, our selection committee kind of uh, you know made a short list of teams that we would want out of that conference, and Louisiana was right at the top of that list. So um, I think from pretty pretty early in uh, that process, Louisiana was at at the top or near the top of that list of uh, what the selection committee wanted, and then Houston, uh, same thing where. Uh, it's two teams that have uh, are both you know regional with fan you know fan bases that can travel to the game, um, but it's two teams that have a lot of buzz and a lot of you know great things going for them in college football right now. It's two teams that have had some of the most success over the last few years. So it's uh, so you know fans are going to want to watch Louisiana versus Houston on TV, where uh, during bowl season you're flipping through your guide and. Uh, if you see Louisiana and you see Houston, you're going to stop and watch that game. So I think the appeal of that, um, you know, getting those uh, those national brands that uh, people want to watch, but then you know having two fan bases. I, I don't think we've had this regional of a matchup in a long time, and that was really exciting for us. A matchup that hasn't taken place since 2006 between the Cajuns and the Cougars. You know, you, you talked about having to go to the to the backup plan for. Picking for the selection of the two teams this year, the Sun Belt and the Independence Bowl entering into a a backup partnership, and uh, it, it's it's easy to say that it was pretty beneficial for both sides this year. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, it's something that we talked to the Sun Belt about early this year, and it just kind of made too much sense from both sides where uh, the footprint of the Independence Bowl and the Sun Belt, uh, you know, just lined up really, really well. And uh, we've had a good relationship with the conference for, for a long time, going back to um, the past kind of administration. But um, to be able to lock it up is, you know, it, it really just worked out well for, for both sides. And um, it, it just made a lot of sense. And the Sun Belt being a, uh, uh, you know, having a lot of momentum right now, and uh, it, it just made a lot of sense for us. And uh, it worked out Worked out really well, though. You know, whenever we talk about conferences, we talk about teams of, okay, what teams would we love to have? And uh, Louisiana was at, you know, at the top of that list. And it, so year one of the backup with Sunbelt getting them, it worked out really well. You kind of talked about the, the regional matchup between, you know, Lafayette and Houston meeting up in, in Shreveport. How special is that going to be, not only for each fan base, but really for, for the Independence Bowl to have like a regional Independence Bowl matchup? Yeah, I think it's really special. Our local fans are really excited about it because it's two teams that, uh, you know, they're used to watching on TV and, you know, used to seeing around here. It has, uh, especially Louisiana, having, uh, I think there's 10 or 11 players from from our area on this Louisiana team. So uh, to be able to kind of get that local those local ties but then um you know to to have that regional matchup i I think it's uh i think it works out really well and uh to add to that it's two teams you know two regional teams that have never been here before louisiana is the only team from this state that hasn't played in the independence bowl so i think to get that is really cool um kind of fill out the roster of the louisiana teams chatting with eric evanson the director of communications for the independence bowl you know, so you know the teams arrived in Shreveport today. The game's not until Friday. They're going to have to have something to do other than practice. <laughs> so, uh, what what kind of events are, are planned for the teams this week? 
Yeah, so it, it actually kicks off here in uh, about 15 minutes. We have uh, three simultaneous welcome parties. We do one for the players, uh, one for the coaches and administrators, and then we, uh, we take the, uh, the kids and, uh, from the families of the coaches and administrators and we take them to, them to a welcome party as well. So the players will get started with uh, – we have kind of a, uh, a local uh, feed for them with um, some bacon-wrapped alligators, whole smoked hogs, uh, jambalaya, uh, different things of that nature. And then um, we'll, uh, they, they face off in three competitions this week to see who wins the, uh, the Bowl Week wrestling belt. So the first couple uh, competitions are tonight. We do a ping-pong tournament and a Madden tournament. And then, uh, and then tomorrow we'll have the big game show, which is kind of a family feud, Jeopardy-style game show where the two teams compete. They have a lot of fun. Uh, so those are the three competitions for the wrestling belt. They'll uh, they com- compete before they get on the football field, see who wins that. Um, we'll also uh, take teams out to Barksdale Air Force Base uh, here and in, uh, in Bossier City, give them a full tour of uh, you know the B-52 bombers and uh, all the all that good stuff from the base. And then uh, we have a couple of nonprofit visits. There's a really good nonprofit here, um, Holy Angels. It's a uh, residential facility for uh, for uh, youth and adult uh, uh, people with uh, that are mentally handicapped. And so the players will go out there, spend some time with the residents, and have a uh, have a good time with them and uh, give back to the community. So. A lot of stuff going on, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. Now, looking at the weather report for Friday, <laughs> uh, high of 28, winds blowing at about 20 miles an hour. Uh, some people like to call that f- football weather, but, you know, <laughs> Eric, I, I like to call that craziness. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, was, I was trying to look up in our records to see if this was going to be the coldest Independence Bowl ever. Um, I don't have the complete stats on that. Uh, some of the years don't have uh, exact temperatures, but I, I'm pretty confident in saying it's it it, it it has a good chance of being the coldest Independence Bowl of all time. Um, but uh, we'll have plenty of hot chocolate, so uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll do our best to keep people warm. They're allowed to bring blankets into the stadium, so uh, we're trying to pe- keep people warm here on Friday. Now, speaking about the fans, what, what's kind of the game plan for, for Friday? You know, when do gates open? Where can people park? Is, is there any special events planned for fans a- attending the game? Yeah, so gates open at noon on Friday, and uh, we have uh, parking available. Uh, if you go to our website, independencebull.org slash parking, um, or call our office, you can, uh, you can get parking passes ahead of time. Uh, we also, uh, on game day, there's the blue lot, which is kind of our general uh, general parking lot. It's fifteen dollars on game day. You can uh, just show up and, and pay and park on game day. Uh, Fan Fest starts at ten o'clock. Coca Cola Fan Fest, and it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna have a local DJ uh, providing the entertainment. ESPN tailgate tours will be out there with tents. Uh, we're gonna have local food trucks out there, uh, drink trucks. Uh, you know, we'll have we'll have a, a, a lot of fun out there. Cornhole, and then some bounce houses for the kids. So. Um, kind of entertainment for uh, for people of all ages starting at 10 o'clock on game day right outside the stadium. Fantastic stuff, Evan Evanson. Before I let you, before I let you run, man, is is there any you know anything else that that the Independence Bowl w- would like to share with uh, with the community? Yeah, so if uh, if people are coming up here on Thursday, uh, the day before the game, we have a great night of events planned. Uh, we have a uh, local Mardi Gras pre- uh, crews participating in a Mardi Gras preview parade. 
uh, starting here at 6.30 on Thursday night. That'll roll right into a, uh, a battle of the bands between the two marching bands who will also be participating in that parade. And then uh, finishing off the night, we'll have Parrish County Line. They're a, uh, a band down from Baton Rouge. They're gonna, uh, a country band. And they're going to finish off the night with a free concert. So uh, three, uh, three free events all kind of uh, circulated in the same area. It's called the East Bank District here in, uh, in Bossier City, right across the river from Shreveport. It's a fun time. Uh, it's, the, uh, it's actually our, I think it's Northwest Louisiana's only open container area is the East Bank District. So people can come down here, enjoy the parade, enjoy the, uh, the Battle of the Bands, and then the, uh, the concert that night. There's restaurants up and down that, uh, that strip of, uh, uh, of the East Bank District, so people can show up and enjoy, uh, enjoy all those free events on Thursday night if they get up here early. Fantastic. Eric Evanson, the Director of Communications for the Independence Bowl, joining us here on the Game Hotline. Eric, really appreciate your time, and uh, look forward to seeing you on Friday in Shreveport. All right. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. You guys, uh, you guys stay warm on Friday. We'll see you here. There he goes, Eric Evanson from the Independence Bowl. I'm telling you, I don't have clothes for that. I'm going to have to go shopping this week because, uh, man, I, I, I've lived in South Louisiana for 25 years. I don't I don't have ski clothes. 28 degrees, that's what, that's what it's going to take. I'm going to need a ski jacket, some – I'm going I'm to need it all, man. It's, it's bad. Oh, don't, it's don't, bad. Don't act like that. That's so cold. That's so cold. Your Alexa or Google Home speakers help out around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and so much more. But as you know, it can also play the game. Just ask Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana, and it's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. Listen to me complaining about the cold. I'm going to be sitting in the press box for the game. It, it's going to be the walk to the stadium that's going to be the problem for and me. And then you going down to the stadium. Correct. Like, other than that. Correct. For, like, 20 minutes. Yep. You're going to be And outside. that's going to be 19 minutes and 59 seconds too long. Too long. Grow up. <laughs> we'll take a time out wrap up today's show after this. Here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 60. Debating whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not is pointless. Die Hard is awesome. So go ahead and sit back and watch John McClane kick butt. This helpful holiday tip is brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Wrapping up on a Monday edition of Crunch Time here on The Game. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 556 on your Monday. What I can tell you, I need to tell you about Santa Barkley. Because Santa is coming to town. And he's delivering $20 million in gifts this holiday season to all FanDuel customers. It doesn't matter if you've been naughty or nice. St. Chuck has something for everyone. Just check your FanDuel app for no sweat, same game parlays, bonuses, and all sorts of stuff that you'll fill that will fill you with holiday cheer. If you're new to FanDuel, Now's the perfect time to sign up, and remember to use promo code KLWB when you sign up. The app is easy to use. They're always hooking you up with great promotions, and when you win, you'll get paid instantly. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook and get in on the holiday spirit with $20 million in gifts from Santa Barkley. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. 
Prize total dependent on customer participation. Wager requirements apply. Gifts offered as non-withdrawable site credit or free bets. See FanDuel.com for terms and conditions. And if you got a gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. Thanks to Eric Evanson and Wilson Alexander. We'll be back tomorrow talking more about the Independence Bowl and much more right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros.